Thanks for tuning in to the Medevac podcast powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Medevac podcast. If you're new here, keep in mind there's a price for the show. You have to share it with a friend or family member when you get something out of today's episode, because you are. I already said it. You're getting it. This is a good one. Yeah. Our guest today, this part is- Part two. Part two with Chelsea Tersovich. Hello again. Hello. Uh, welcome back. Welcome Thank back. Thank you. We're going to be diving into, uh, if you missed part one, go back and listen to it. Write me out. Write me out. Go back. You're going to hear about Chelsea's background, uh, her time in the military, becoming a PA, up to working for Mindbloom. And yep. now we're going to talk a little bit about who Mindbloom is, yes. what you guys do there, and how you've been helping people all across the US. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. You guys are about to talk about one of my favorite topics. If you ask my husband, I talk about this all of the time to the point that he knows it. Drugs? Yes. <laughs> Legal drugs. I believe it's medicine. Legal. Yes. Has, has people corrected you in that path before? Um, I've had people say that, just like drugs. And they're like, no, it's plant-based medicines. You know, sometimes yeah. I think it's maybe a little different, the space that I'm working in versus like some of the other spaces like mm-hmm. vets and stuff, because those are plant medicines typically, sure. not always. I mean, we are able to synthesize some of them now, but like ketamine is synthesized, oh, right? Yes. Yeah, it's not <laughs> That's naturally. Not naturally produced. Which is actually one of the complaints I get from people sometimes, funny enough. They're like, I really only want to do plant medicines, mm. but I guess I'll do this because it's it's more readily available. And is this as they're taking a copious amounts of prescriptions already on the sides? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> Which is funny it varies. to me. But, yeah. That part varies, honestly. I, I kind of understand the argument, but at the same time, unless you've tried it, then you really don't know what you prefer. Yeah. And it, so ner- nerd part one, right, yeah. of ketamine. One of the things people think about is like, well, this is a new substance or it's an animal tranquilizer, right? Like horse tranquilizer is one of those myths. It is used in... in Animal medicine, yes, but we've been using it in humans as an FDA-approved medicine since 1970 yeah. as an anesthetic. It's been around for it 50 is years. so well studied and so safe that it's part of the WHO's list of um, important medicines. It's super cheap. Mm-hmm. We give it to kids, like young, young kids in the ER. We give it to people that are older, mm-hmm. like geriatric population, because of how safe it generally is. And that's why the military transition to using it more in deployed medicine because of how much safer it is than the opioids we were using. That's what I was uh, given when I was injured in Afghanistan. They gave me ketamine. Yeah. Do you remember any of it? No. They said, uh, I was like, knock me out. I can't deal with this anymore. (laughs) They're like, ah, well, we can't knock you out, but we'll keep you awake. But we'll give you ketamine. (laughs) And apparently I was just cracking the funniest jokes. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, (laughs) if you ever watch, I sometimes go down the rabbit hole of people coming out of anesthesia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just saw one the other day. That was pretty funny. Which one was that? Uh, We don't have to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) It's an easy rabbit hole to go down. Never mind. Yeah. So, I mean, most people feel really good on it, right? And so it does. It brings out jokes. It brings out happiness for a lot of people. We we did. uh, We have a past guest who talked about his experience with ketamine. (laughs) And he was the only person that I've ever heard said that he had a hell-like journey. It does happen. <laughs> he explained it in detail. It is terrifying. It uh, it, it does yeah. happen. Um, and I do warn people, particularly if there's trauma in mm-hmm. backgrounds, like I'm like, hey, this could come up. Yeah. But 
for most people, we get a new space to those traumas that we haven't gotten before. And most people are like, wow, like I could actually like be in the trauma and not respond yeah. the way that I normally do. And a bunch of my, my clients, my patients actually have used it to um, retell their trauma stories mm-hmm. as well, which is helping them kind of heal from the trauma. Sure. So yes, I mean, any psychedelic can have <laughs> scary, not fun experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It goes to a whole bunch of things though, right? It goes to your past one, right? But it goes to the mindset going into it, the physical setting you have around you, the intentions you're setting. If you're saying, show me my fears, (laughs) your fears are gonna come, right? And I've had to have that conversation with people. Like the wording we put in our brain as we go into these experiences is really important because your brain's gonna show you if you want it to. It's very important. When I did the Ibogaine, my intention was to kill the bad part of myself. Oh, <laughs> that, that was interesting. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was an interesting experience. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's just based on the psychedelic compound that you're using too, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. DMT for a lot of people is a death rebirth experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's just kind of, the, that's why it's the God molecule. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is some aspect of that and where it's working in the brain and how it's working in the brain. But with ketamine, I would say, generally speaking, most people are having really positive, really enjoyable experiences, mm-hmm. maybe space from the anxiety they've had for a long time or the trauma response or feeling happy, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people come to ketamine for depression and they're just like, I don't know what happiness and joy feels like. Yeah. And they're like, holy cow, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can see what joy and happiness is like again, or for the first time for some people. So it's definitely different in that respect, I think from some of the other psychedelics. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to how it's working, right? Uh, When we think of like psilocybin, MDMA, which kind of an atypical uh, psychedelic, uh, DMT, ayahuasca, all, mm-hmm. all like LSD, they're all serotonin based, sure. right? So they work on that pathway, which is also why you can't be on serotonin based medications when you go do those kind of retreats yeah. or when you want to take it. I've had so many people who are like, I've tried psilocybin and nothing happens. And yes. I was like, were you on the same SSRI at that point? Yeah, you're on an SSRI. It's not going to work at all. Yeah, yeah, that's why. And they're like, no way. And I was like, yep. Not only that, but it can be more dangerous. It can be. You can get uh, serotonin syndrome. Yeah, fatal serotonin yeah. syndrome, which- not that sounds good. terrible. Way I, to die. Yeah, it's not good. I've actually seen it in person, like serotonin syndrome before. Yeah. And what does that look like? Um, convulsions, red skin, high temperature, hallucinations. That's like the far end of the spectrum. Yeah. And you, you can actually die from it. I've seen more mild versions of it too, mm. where it's just more agitation and um, like temperature is mm. a big part of it because that's like our, our temperature regulation is messed up for a lot of people with serotonin syndrome. Mm. Um, it's not super common, but can be if you're being prescribed a lot of not just psychiatric medicines, but a lot of just regular medications can work on serotonin. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it definitely can predispose you. Ketamine, it does not work directly on serotonin. Um, It works on a neurotransmitter in our brain called glutamate. Mm -hmm. Glutamate's actually the most prevalent neurotransmitter. Most people don't even realize that. Most people don't even know what glutamate is, honestly. Uh, It's involved in a lot of really important things like memory formation, cognition, emotional regulation, right? So the things that we need, right? (laughs) Surprise. Um, It's also really key in neuroplasticity, right? And Mm -hmm. so all of these psychedelics have a role in neuroplasticity. Glutamate, 
plays a key role in that, right? It's our brain's ability to create new synaptic connections, to create new neural pathways and rewire itself basically, right? And we're able to do that at all stages of our lives. That's why as adults, Mm -hmm. we can learn new tasks, Mm -hmm. right? That's why even though I was 30, when I went to PA school, way after my brain development ended, I was able to learn this whole new skill and continue to learn, right? When we're depressed, when we're anxious, when we're in a heightened stress response, we're dumping all these stress hormones, which in a short-term fight or flight, when we're deployed, we need that, right? We need that stress response to get us out of these situations. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it doesn't turn off or it doesn't turn off all the way, Mm -hmm. right? You guys probably know that very well. That's like a leaking faucet. It is. Once you turn it on full blast for a year, for nine months, whatever it is, over and over and over, because even when you're back in the States, you're still training, you're still getting ready for that next deployment. Still in that environment. Exactly. You can't totally turn it off. So it makes sense that we are in these heightened states for as long as we are. And then Mm. when we get out of the military, we're like, what the fuck now? And and that's something we talk about a lot too, is is the military's need for the proper transitioning services out there. Yeah. Because you train, you said, for a year in TRADOC. Yep. And then when you get out, it's like, hey, your orders are coming in through in a week or two. And if you're going through a, a MEB, like the transition was for the army SFL tap. I, I went to a class for a week and yeah. as a PA, they were like, we can't help you. <laughs> like we're not, don't de- worry, you'll find a job. We're not designed for you. <laughs> yeah. So you're just crazy. You're put into this mentality where you're on a hundred percent. That faucet is turned up to a hundred percent. Right. And all of a sudden you're out and you're expected to just plug right back into society, which they've stripped from you in the beginning. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're like, these rules don't apply to you. But now they do. But now you got to go back. Sorry. Now you gotta Bye. Go back. We're not going to teach you <laughs> Good how luck. to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> and no wonder why you have such high veteran suicides. Yep. The, there's You lose the camaraderie, the community, right? It, even if you don't, you do, right? Because you're not in that. That was the thing that I still miss the most. The tribe. Yeah. Right? It's, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thankfully had other friends who had already gone through the transition that helped me through the transition. And then we went into a global pandemic. So everyone was isolated. Yeah. So that kind of helped honestly make my transition easier. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's well, good that me. there was some good to come out of it. Yeah. That and remote medicine. Those yeah. were the two silver yeah. linings. Yeah, true. Um, but like I see friends of mine getting out now or friends that have been out for a while, really struggling with that connection mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I really wanted to come here and do this. Like uh, Mind Bloom was like, would you want to do it remotely? And I was like, no. Yeah, it's much better in person. It is. And yeah. like this, I think as a like a veteran community, yeah. connection is key, mm-hmm. right? And we lost a lot of connection when we got out, but we lost even more during the pandemic. Yeah, it lost the ability to. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sorry, meeting some people on camera to do some yoga, not the same. Not it is not the yeah. same. It's no. It's a nice option. But, but it's not yeah, the same. It's not, yeah. So um, yeah, ketamine, going back to that, like it, like I mentioned, it helped me with my trauma mm. and the anxiety that was coming around the trauma, right? And I've watched it over the last three years. So I've been doing this for three years now, tr- like legitimately change people's lives. Mm. I've had people who weren't able to leave their homes get jobs, drive for the first time ever sometimes. Um, People who realize that their job is creating a lot of their stress and totally changed their life paths. And some of them actually coming into this space, going back to school to be a therapist or psychologist or go back to be a clinician even. We've had clinicians who've tried our program 
come start working for us because it's changed their lives so much. So and just one treatment? One, sometimes one, one set potentially. So okay. ketamine, we we work in sets of treatment. It does have a cumulative benefit. Okay. There are people with the very first time, they're like, my life has changed, hallelujah, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. does happen. <laughs> yeah. But I would say for most people, it's the accumulation. And for okay. me, it was the accumulation for and, sure. And how many on average are you seeing Treatments of these treatments that really start to settle in. For it's these. usually like three or four treatments. Okay, and, that, and you guys do a typical protocol of like three and six, right? Six, six. Yeah, yeah we okay. do six. Um, so for mm-hmm. most people, by the midway point of their first set, mm-hmm. they're starting to see improvements. Mm-hmm. And we published a study in. Has it been a year? Two years? Year? I want to say it was a year ago now. Wow, time's flying. Um, in the Journal of Affective Disorders, that showed that we did four treatments when I first started with Mind Bloom. So I've watched this evolution. Um, four treatments had tremendous success rates. Mm-hmm. Like we were seeing, comparable to IVIM ketamine, like upwards of 70% improvement in symptomology. Wow. And people who said that they were suicidal at the start of treatments, 69, 63% saw complete removal or reduction in those passive suicidal thoughts. That's massive. It is huge. And that was with four. We Mm -hmm. do six now. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's a huge, like when you think about traditional mental health treatments, SSRIs, SNRIs, they don't work for everyone. Yeah. It's where if we're lucky about 50% of the population will respond. And two, the, just the negative connotations behind all of them uh, just are, devastate your body in the long term. Yeah. yeah. Or the improper usage, the improper long-term usage. Once you're right? on them, actually, they're finding that once you're on these things, it's virtually impossible to get off. Yeah. I've had a lot of people with ketamine taper off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's true, though. Intervention, yeah, yeah. Having interventions like that. It's true, though. It, 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 it How much is it really working, right? Mm. So some people build tolerance, so then we need to adjust the dose again. Yeah. Uh, we need to switch meds entirely. We need to add in another medication or there's side effects. We have to add in a medication to combat the side effects, right? Yeah. So, or, or even a lot of people don't even make it past that first step. They, 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 just get, this, get, they get prescribed. Yep. They say, thanks, I'm, I'm better now. <laughs> I and don't want this. They're not. Yeah. They're, they yeah. never do the work to actually make it through that. And. It's called masking symptoms. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're masking. And not only that, like that's just the people that come to the the clinicians, right? Mm -hmm. There's still like probably half of the population that's not. And probably even higher in the veteran population. Like the stigma around mental health, understandably, I almost didn't become a PA because I sought help for my mental health. Yeah. Is huge. It's massive. Right? And like, so we say maybe 50% of the population as a whole isn't, talking about their symptoms, isn't getting help support for that. I'd say it's probably higher in the veteran community. Sure. And then with the negative experiences people have with the healthcare system at the VA, mm. depending on your VA, that stigmatizes it even more. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful VA that I work with. At a, uh, they're actually out of Charleston, but they have a location in Savannah. Mm. But I know some of the other VAs around my area for people that I see for their, their compensation pension evaluations tell me horror stories. Mm just horror stories. And that's two hours away from my VA. Like that doesn't even make sense. It is so true. Yeah. So I am excited. The VA has been starting to actually, not everywhere. Georgia (laughs) does not do it. I asked. Um, But there are locations that are starting to do IV, IM, Mm -hmm. ketamine treatments. The problem though is they're 
they're kind of strict still, right? They're, they're wanting like veterans to have treatment resistant mental health conditions where, why do we have to wait until someone's gone through trials and trials and trials to get to this point where now they're even more downtrodden. They Mm -hmm. might be more depressed, more stressed, more like trauma symptoms to try this out. Like, why do we have to do that? What do you think that is? I mean, there is a copious amount of red tape, but this, this is per- my personal opinion, not mine, Blooms. Just putting that out there. Yeah, well, personal <laughs> opinion from a PA who's yeah. not too, that's involved in the medical community, I think is yeah. so holds some weight. I think there is a lot of bureaucracy. Yeah. And I think we have turned medicine into an industry, yeah. right? Insurance. Absolutely. There's no question about it. It's no why question. I... So they didn't want to give me, if you listen to the last one, Otesla for my skin condition because it's it's expensive. It's a name brand medication. Mm-hmm. I had jumped through so many hoops and have several other trials and the fam famvir, the antiviral that I'm currently on, until I failed many other medications. And we had to still put in a special request for the VA pharmacy to fill those. And see, if you stop and you look at this from from just a ten thousand foot view, let's Give them SSRIs, which take two to three months to start if working. If we're lucky. And then you have to do six months of testing once you're at that point. Or we could just do six weeks of once a week ketamine. Yep. Yeah, and they and want you to try multiple programs which of is, therapies yep. and yeah. group therapies. Yep. and You, you know, have to do, if you want the medication, you yeah. have to. like. I, I do think you should, like if you're seeking ketamine therapy or any sort of psychedelic intervention, you should be seeking talk therapy at the same time. I agree. Because you're, you're, it's a waste. It's it's not a benefit to yourself. Or, or at least some way not, to integrate the experiences. Yeah, you're not arming yourself properly. No. And so I will say, Mind Bloom, we don't require therapy sure. for everyone. I do have people I do require therapy to be on board with. Yeah. Depends on the severity of symptoms, trauma in their background, a variety mm-hmm. of, of factors. Um we work with coaches. So we have our, our guides mm-hmm. that work with the individuals to integrate their experiences and come up with tools that'll help build the resiliency, mm-hmm. help rewire the brain. Um, that could be something simple. Well, I say simple, but it could be something straightforward like meditation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Starting an exercise routine, some physical integrative things. It could be more like like cognitive reframing of our experiences, you know, pausing before we respond to something and being like, hold on, is this really how I want to respond? Which with the ketamine, getting that little bit of space already there kind of allows for those things to set in. And we're also working with our neuroplasticity. So we're able to rewire stuff. Learn it. Exactly. Those things. Exactly. I I met with someone yesterday for checking a new person to me who we were just trying to figure out their dosing a little bit more, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I was like, so how are you feeling, right? I read through where you were starting, you've done two sessions now. Do you feel like you're seeing a shift? And she's like, yeah, actually. Hmm. Like, I'm exercising every day. I've Hmm. never been able to get exercise to stick, but it's just happening. Is that the ketamine? I'm like, yes. That's neuroplasticity. That is (laughs) anything you don't want in your life, get rid of it now. And something you want to put in your life that's going to support you, Mm -hmm. this is the time to do it. Put it in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty amazing, honestly. So you've probably heard multiple experiences from Ibogaine and Mm 5-MeO and all of this. What do you see the biggest difference between ketamine and these other plant-based medicines? Outside of the glutamate? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. Biggest difference. I would say the experience, at least with 
tablets, which Mindbloom is working with, mm-hmm. probably is a more, I don't want to say gentle. Gentle is not the right word for it. But well, because Ibogaine is a slap in the face. Yeah, you're right. I have <laughs> not. Yeah. I have not done it, but yeah. I have heard that. Uh, same thing yeah. with like ayahuasca, some of the experiences yeah. with Aya that I've heard about. Um the space we aim for with with Mindbloom's protocol is what we call it's a mild to moderately dissociative state. So not the state you were in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a deeper dissociative state. We want you to remember the experience though so mm-hmm. that you can integrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would describe it like a really deep, wonderful meditation, okay. a trance. Um, if you've ever done a float tank, I've had some people mm-hmm. describe it as like one of their best float tank experiences okay. similar to that. So that's the space we're aiming for. It's different than IV and IM for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The the more sudden onset of IV and IM because it's like almost yeah. straight to the brain, right? Yeah. Push right yeah. in. Yeah. Um, those. Yeah, there was no uh, remembering for me at all. Like I was just gone. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the IV goes in and You're I like, was like, Wee. that's it? Yeah. Yeah. It, so when I'm talking to people about dissociation on a spectrum, I'm like, we're not aiming for that level. That's not where we're going. <laughs> um but the the suddenness of it going directly to your brain rather than this kind of gradual incline mm. and then gradual decline can be feel a lot more intense, even though it might not be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because of the sudden onset of it. Mm. And there's also an inhaled version of ketamine. There's actually an FDA approved version called Spravato where it's not actual racemic ketamine like you got and like what we prescribe. It's um, S. Ketamine. The so, S-isomer. Yes, okay. yeah, exactly. So if you're, for those of you who don't know, ketamine is actually made up of two different ketamine compounds, R and S. S-ketamine is the S compound. Spravato is the brand name. Mm. Um, it's expensive. Insurance doesn't always cover it. You have to be treatment-resistant depression. That's the only FDA indication. I think with suicidality uh, is another indication for okay. it at this point too. But there's not really off-label use of Spravato at this point mm-hmm. versus that's what we're doing with racemic ketamine. We're using it off label. So do either of you guys know what off label means? Um, no, not no. for the intended use, but basically, yeah, that's yeah. actually it. So it's not the FDA's intended use. It's a, a legal substance, but we are not using it in an FDA approved way. Sure. We do this because it's really expensive to get things mm-hmm. FDA approved once it's already gone through the process. So rather than putting all that money into the research, into the approval process, we're allowed as clinicians okay. to use it off-label, okay. especially when there's data like we have with ketamine to support its like use. Promising mm-hmm. data for yeah. the future. That yeah. makes sense. So, and I mean, it, we started ketamine off-label in the sedation pain management realm mm-hmm. like you had. Um, and then about 20 years, we've been using it in the mental health field because we started seeing people that we were giving to anesthesia for sedation, for pain management, were kind of coming to and not being suicidal or mm-hmm. not being depressed, right? Yeah. And so that started us into this field that we're in now of ketamine for mental health, for depression. That was really kind of one of the earlier indicators for it. Anxiety, which is what mind wound does is depression, anxiety. But there's also studies around OCD, mm. substance use disorders, trauma, although distinction, not acute stress, not acute mm. trauma. So not someone who just had an accident and we give them mm-hmm. ketamine in an ER or actually we're finding maybe not the best thing to give on the battlefield because it does short, at least short-term 
intensify some of that stress response. We're not really 100% sure if it correlates to higher levels of PTSD down the road, but we know that soon after acute stress phase is heightened in people that we give ketamine to versus a non-ketamine sedation. Mm. So yeah, that's one of the kind of niche things about it. Yeah. Um, But- Do you know if there's studies that showcase if it's single use or like if you guys did a protocol after an acute trauma? So say you get in a car accident and then- when you're in the hospital recovering, they plan for you to do three treatments over the course of two weeks or something. That's a, a great question. Only ones I've seen have been like single use ER. Okay. Uh, so there, it, there's hundreds of studies, so it's possible that's yeah. been done, but I haven't seen them yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. No, I, that would actually be a really good. So, I mean, it, it could area. make sense that you know you take the ketamine right after that tra- trauma, so you have that initial drop off. Totally be met by an equal rise on the on the, on the other end. side as you're still processing it, yeah, right? Because you're still yeah, dealing like, with the physical repercussions. You just had a car accident yesterday, yeah. like it's <laughs> you just still fresh. Got yeah. blown yeah. up, right? Yeah. It's it's a, reco- a recovery road. It's not just like a, I'm yeah. better, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's I definitely possible. I grew my leg back right away. <laughs> <laughs> Regeneration. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for that day. Yeah, I know. There's <laughs> when, when's day. the pill for that going to yeah, come out? Right? <laughs> but I digress. You know, one day, maybe one day. It's possible. It's yeah. already out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a little lit lizard, and grow the baby leg back first. Uh, uh, little baby tail. They uh, they actually just did a, and we're going off on a tangent on here. They just uh, discovered through that kind of gene manipulation, uh, regrowing cartilage. Oh yeah, really? I did see that. So yeah, they're regrowing cartilage now based off of. So you can regrow your own cartilage and then have it implanted. I'm assuming they regrow it now. In a lab, a lab, yeah. lab setting. I think I saw like an ear-looking oh, awesome. thing on like a picture. Now it could have been not associated with the study. You the, know how the, ear, so the cool. ear might have been the mouse the, the, on, the, the, on the back of the oh, mouse. You're right, that's, that's right. It was the back of the mouse. Yeah, that's, that's, that was the back of the mouse. Very interesting, but my <laughs> leg's gonna grow off of a <laughs> mouse's back. That would be pretty <laughs> epic, honestly. <laughs> Just dragged it, it's lugging <laughs> around, <to> like low <laughs> crawling. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> Either that or you just have a really tiny little regrowth. Yeah, the Metabolic Podcast does not condone animal cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like Deadpool when he's growing back his, yes, his yes, legs. Exactly. He's got the baby uh, legs at first. Baby oh, legs. so creepy. I would do it. So I creepy, but so funny. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, yeah, we, we went off on a tangent here. Um, where were we? I don't remember. Yeah. Girl, uh, off, we were talking about off-label. off-label. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so... I do like to make that distinction for people. It is not an FDA approved treatment. It, the way we are prescribing it is off label. Sometimes that's part of the education that I have to do, mm. not just with clients, sometimes with other clinicians, uh, with other like therapists, psychologists, mm-hmm. family members that mm. are concerned, right? That That's a common, well, not as common as it used to be, but sometimes I have to help educate the family too. Cause they're like, w- I've heard that this is a party drug. I've heard yeah. that. I was just going to say, what's the, the common resistance and the arguments that you're hearing against this? It's a, a lot of the myths. It's a bad yeah. stigma that's yeah. out there about yeah. all these medicines. Right. It, 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 and it goes back to like the seventies, right? Yeah, the war on drugs. Yeah. yeah. Acid flashbacks. Those are a thing. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, it, I'm sure you guys. If you know crack that, your neck, you're going to have an LSD trip. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> like, I'm like, what a different world that must have been, right? Uh. Like, I, I don't know if you guys watched the the Netflix four parter or read the book, the How to Change Your Mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it's a good Michael one. Pollan. Yeah, Michael Pollan was at 
psychedelic science. Yeah, so I got okay. to listen to him talk, um, which was really exciting to hear him kind of talk. Cause I've loved him since he was doing food stuff. Yeah. Remember I love food. <laughs> um, so it was really exciting to actually see him in person and hear him talk. But you know, we, we pushed all of this underground. And although ketamine wasn't a part of that, it is still considered a, a psychedelic, an atypical one maybe, but it's sure. still a psychedelic. You're still having experiences, shifts in perception. And I think that fear around it and around all of these other substances has really kind of made it harder to gain traction. I think honestly, the veteran community is part of the reason we're mm. seeing so much traction in yes, these areas yeah. because we are seeing people get their lives back yeah. by taking these different substances. Mm -hmm. And I, like, it's crazy it took that, right? It took 20 plus year war yeah. <laughs> over two different countries yeah. and a lot of trauma physically and mentally to see this, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes it takes extreme situations to make extreme changes. Yeah. We like extremes. Yeah. <laughs> Some general humans, yeah. like we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we like war, and we don't but, do well in peace. We have to get yeah. extreme to get above the noise. Like we this do. big yeah. pharma really yeah. shut this down in the seventies and eighties. Well, it, big pharma slash the fear of the unknown. Yeah, right. We we don't do well with things we don't know. It's one of the the hesitations I hear from people is I'm really scared what it's going to be like. Sure, um, with any of the substances, but yeah. that's definitely like what is it going to be like? Having a healthy healthy respect and fear for it, it's important though. It, it is. is important. You shouldn't walk into it like I can handle this. <laughs> I agree. Well, I, and that's any any person who utilizes these therapies or drugs for that matter should have a respect for it. Yeah. I, yes. And uh, and what happens when you don't have a respect? You have have a situation like your ex-husband. Yes. You yeah. Know, who doesn't have a, a respect or fear for it. Which it, it, what's interesting with my ex-husband is he actually would find ketamine mm -hmm. occasionally. And knowing what I know now and knowing him at that point in his life, I think he was actually getting relief from it, right? Mm -hmm. He was having less cravings for amphetamines, yeah. for cocaine. He was having reduction in anxiety, in mm -hmm. trauma he didn't realize it and yeah. he wasn't doing it in an intentional way with other things to yeah. support him, which is why it wasn't going to last. Yeah. And that's what, and if, what the intent setting intentions yeah. are so important. Yeah. For. yeah. And recovery is not on your radar. It's not going to yeah. stick. Yeah. 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 And, and two, there, there's a, you know, I I've done psilocybin mm -hmm. recreationally and I've done yep. it in a therapy setting as well. There is a difference. Big difference. If you go into it with the mindset of this is therapy for me, you will have a totally different experience. It, and even going into those therapy sessions and having the right mindset, not trying to squeeze it in after a busy day, a busy mm -hmm. week, or you know, a family situation or a work situation came up, but I'm still gonna do my session, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually a conversation I have, not as commonly anymore, because we put a lot of emphasis on the set and setting as part of our like education throughout the program with everyone. Sure. But it, every once in a while, someone will be like, I had a dud of, an, of a session, like number five, nothing really happened. I was like, well, why do you think that was? Well, and then they <laughs> yeah. go into it because they've thought about it. They, yeah. They've realized some of the mistakes they might've made mm -hmm. and corrected them, or maybe they're not sure how to correct them. Um, but, you know, doing it after work is a common one. How can we expect our brain 
to relax and help us heal because that's what it's doing. It wants to heal when we've just gone through this stressful day, maybe sat in traffic on the way home from work. Mm, Uh, Maybe we had to pick up our kids on the way home. Now they're screaming in the other room or fighting with each other. Oh, I still need to make dinner. I still need Mm. to do the lawn. Laundry's waiting Mm. for me, right? All of these like life things. And so it's really about putting the intention around the experience, not just the hour itself, but the lead up to it Mm. as well as the time after it. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's a big subject that I like to talk about too, is environment. Environment is Uh, key. You have to, and this goes way beyond that. Before you even go into these therapies, you should reconsider your environment. What are you doing? What kind of good habits are you forming before you go to this so that you don't spiral back? It's right, true. and you yeah. see that. So what do you do to help with someone's environment? That's that's a tougher one, right? Sometimes people can't leave yeah. their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some of those cases, I'm like, hey, like this might help, yeah. but it might only help temporarily. Like you're in this work environment, this family situation. You're a caregiver for a dying family member, right? That's not going to change, at least not right away. Yeah, of course. So maybe right now we're looking at this as helping you with the symptoms you're dealing with, building the resiliency to manage these symptoms day to day, and then we'll readdress once the situation changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're into the kind of the next phase. And so for some people it's more just kind of like a, a holding over, building the tools we need for being able to really address it yeah. down the road. Other times it's like, "Hey, have you thought about your day, like I know you're trying to schedule this in between your work calls. Do you think maybe that's part of why you're highly anxious and can't sleep at night? Huge. That's uh, something that we did on our way back to um, from Mexico. (laughs) They told us not to fly on Friday when we had this (laughs) treatment on Tuesday. And we certainly did. We were like, of course. you know, well, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. We're and, different. And we felt so zen. We felt so good yeah. until we stepped into the airport. The moment. <laughs> and it was like when we walked in, it was yeah. just a waft across yeah. the face of this just negative energy, stress. And then you're just all of a sudden roped into it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it had nothing to do with what we were feeling internally. Nope. It was the external environment yeah. that yep. really affected us in a negative way. Yeah. And, and it can really affect the experience as well well yeah yeah. right like if your household is chaotic and that could be just messy that could be lots of people whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and you're trying to do a ketamine session yeah how is your brain going to stop worrying about all of those things it's not if they're still there right Mm -hmm. and so it's a balancing act (laughs) that that is the there's benefits of being able to do it at home, right? You're in your home, you can do it on your time. Like you're feeling more safe. You're not having to stick to that nine to five doctor Mm. schedule, right? Taking time off from work or having a partner or friend take time off from work, paying for an Uber, and then you're in a feeling weird in an Uber afterwards, right? (laughs) Um, But that can also be a downside too, depending on what your home life looks like, right? So it is kind of, I think there's more benefits than not for most people, but sometimes that does come up as well. Yeah. that and so we at Mind Bloom require people to have uh, we call it a PTM, a peer treatment monitor. So you all every session, I don't care how many you've done, you could have done one, you could have done twenty. You have to have an adult there while you're doing your session, mm-hmm. not an adult on Zoom, yeah, not your neighbor in the next house over, the apartment above you, physically in your house, yeah, your apartment. 
or at their place. You who, can do it at someone else's Who does place. not participate. Who does not participate. This is called a trip sitter. <laughs> yeah. So that, colloquially, yeah. we call that a trip sitter. <laughs> we do give the monitor some extra education that maybe yeah. trip sitters don't get sometimes. But yeah, no, it, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. And we have them check in periodically. Mm-hmm. Usually nothing's needed. Or maybe it's a blanket. Ketamine makes people cold sometimes. Yeah. But generally, you're just kind of like, well, they're good. Cool. Like my boyfriend plays video games, sets a timer. Or boyfriend, oh my gosh, my husband. Sorry, we've only Whoops. been married for three months at this point. We're still newlyweds. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, he sets a timer. Okay. Because otherwise he'll forget because he's playing video games. Yeah. He pauses. He comes to the door. He checks on me. He goes back to playing video games. And okay. then after an hour, he comes and like rubs my arm and it's like, hey, hey, it's been an hour. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> the sessions are only 60 minutes or so, right? They are. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. For most people, you know, yeah. there's, it's a bell curve. Yeah. So Ish. the average person is about an hour. Okay. You get some people who are rapid metabolizers and their sessions are like 30 minutes and they yeah. get frustrated because they're like, why am I not having an hour? I'm like, ah, you're probably not. Double Genetics. down, baby. <laughs> Genetics. Double down. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, but good <laughs> <Just> try. <laughs> they, they ask that question. And that's a fair question. They're like, yeah. if I take more or if I take another dose, is it going to change it? No, it's the metabolism. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. the metabolism the way it is. It's just going to have a bigger curve. <laughs> that's, uh, you might not remember so, anything. Uh, I, I went back uh, to the vet's facility in Mexico and I um, oversaw uh, a, the first paralyzed veteran who went through the program. Awesome. And during this experience, when I was on Ibogaine, I like it, it, it just sensory overload, right? Obviously you're getting these auditory hallucinations. You feel like something is happening. You're not moving, but then to step on the other side of it and watch how these therapies work. I was like, this is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, these people are just laying here. Ken means the same way. Yeah, exactly. Ken means the same. Meanwhile, you know what's going on in their heads. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, um, I feel for you, buddy. Yeah. 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 I mean, most yeah. people ketamine, you probably you might've been cracking jokes when you had your ketamine, but like most people just kind of lay there and feel just really serene mm. and rela- like physically really relaxed is a really common one. Sometimes they might feel light and he- like light and floaty. Other times they might feel like they're melting and heavy, right? Mm. So there is like a physical shift in perception for a lot of people to some degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just kind of hang out. There are some people that move. I do have some clients that are like, is it okay if I'm moving around? Like sometimes I really feel like I want to move, but everyone I've talked to, they don't. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if that's what you need to do and you're safe, yeah, go ahead. I don't have care. Don't be riding a bike. Don't be going up and downstairs. <laughs> nothing outside. I had someone be like, can I do this on a float in my pool? Like, no. no. You're going to drown. No. <laughs> you will drown. I don't yeah. care if your monitor is right yeah. there next to you. It just doesn't no. sound like a good idea at no. all. No. Safety first, right? Safety first. We don't want to be physically getting worse because of that. That's not going to help our mental health. And this is, it's not recreation either. Yeah. Right? Like, you're not doing this for recreation. You're doing this for a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, if you want to do a little bit of movement, you want to do some light yoga, that's feeling yeah. good. You're in a safe place mm-hmm. to do it. That's fine doesn't mm-hmm. make you dizzy, it would make me dizzy. Mm-hmm. Ketamine makes a lot of people kind of have some, well, like 20% of people get some like mild motion sickness okay. mm-hmm. sensation. So for a lot of people, we do prescribe an anti-nausea medication for them to take mm-hmm. where they can take like an over-the-counter one. Mm-hmm. Um, that generally isn't an issue if you're laying down for an hour because when you get up, you're like, most of the medication has started to leave the system at mm-hmm. that point. Some people do have like, 30 minutes to two hours of just something like light nausea, kind of feeling like they're on a boat, mm-hmm. kind of sensation. That's not too yeah. bad. I mean, 
if it's only an hour or two of like a tops, like a minor hangover, that's, tops, it's it, not bad at all. Like what most people experience afterwards, if they experience, I have some people that don't experience anything. Like mm. for me, I pop right up and I'm like, let's eat. Yeah. I'm starving. Cause I weirdly get so hungry after mm. a ketamine. And what's session. your favorite uh, fruits after? Uh, I do try to do fruits. It actually, and ketamine actually helps with um, insulin as well. Yeah. yeah. Insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So it's actually something we recommend is some like fresh cut fruit. One, mm -hmm. it's easy to digest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, two, it's just nutri nutrient dense, yeah. which yeah. is good. And it's tastes good. Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, and our, our taste buds are a little funny for some people afterwards, since it's an oral anesthetic, right. Mm -hmm. We're putting the tablets in our mouth. Okay. So some people might not taste well and fruits tend to have really bright flavors that you can kind of cut through that, that diminished taste a little bit. Oh, okay. Not everyone has it. Um, but it's definitely something I've heard from people like, is it normal to not taste things correctly? And I'm like, well, think about it. Your mouth yeah. was numb, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Do you taste things normally after a dental procedure? Yeah, not so well. Typically, no. Same mm. kind of idea. We, you couldn't taste your mouth for a while, guys. So, um, yeah. So there's that. The fruits and the vegetable, or fruits, are a common one. I like uh, doing like grilled vegetables and stuff mm. afterwards. It's like kind of what. A whole ass steak. <laughs> I mean, my, my husband actually has made that for me after session before. Because I, when I say I'm ravenous, I like want to eat everything really? oh, yeah. every single time. I did an IM ketamine when I was in Denver recently, and I was with a friend, and we both looked at each other afterwards. And I'm like, "Do you want a cheeseburger <laughs> yeah. or like a grilled cheese? Sounds amazing yeah. right now." Out. Yeah. So it, some people and get this do you, way. Do you know the like the internal process? Is it speeding up your metabolism well, it, quite rapidly? So it is an excited substance. So, so sympathetic and then you're just, yeah. So glutamate's an excitatory yeah. neurotransmitter. Yeah. It not only is working in the brain, it's actually increasing our heart rate, increasing our blood pressure. Yeah. Okay. So it's like working out and then right at the end of it, you're yeah. just ravenous. Exactly. Okay. Makes sense. But Makes not sense. everyone. Other people are nauseated and they're like, I don't want to be near food. Can't touch it. <laughs> right. So it's funny to see those dichotomies. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Like most people are really like calm, sedated, just kind of want to veg out, maybe go to bed or take a nap. But I have other people who are more energized from mm -hmm. it. They're like, I, if, is it okay for me to go for a walk after I do this? I'm like, as long as you're with someone, you're feeling okay. I have no issues with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you do see that kind of dichotomy, right? We see brain fog, Right, it is an anesthetic at higher doses, so that kind of spaciness a little bit that can linger. That's the one that for some people will linger sometimes even into the next day a little bit, even with a good mm -hmm. night's sleep. But okay. we no driving, no operating heavy machinery, no major life decisions. Yeah. That's what we tell people. Um, those are the most common ones that we see, and like I said, most people don't really notice them too much, and then they kind of fade over mm -hmm. the next thirty minutes to two hours. Most people are fully ba back to their baseline within three hours. So that's of putting the medicine in their mouth. That's a relatively short experience. It, it is. That yeah. is. Yeah. And, and that's, would you maybe recommend a therapy like this first before diving into say psilocybin? I think it's what works best for each person. So, right. so a proper diagnosis yeah. of what, regimen is going to work for you. Yeah. The and it, the challenge is, especially in the U S we really only have ketamine that's FDA approved right now. We have some areas in the U S that have decriminalized or legalized psilocybin. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're, we're kind of getting to a stage in MDMA 
phase three, right? Psilocybin, yeah. we're, we're getting closer to these points mm-hmm. where it'll be easier to make these diagnoses. And I, th- I think we'll find that there's probably like niches for each of them mm-hmm. as well. And it might be dependent on the individual and the symptoms they're presenting with. Maybe mm-hmm. one will work for a little while and another one will work after that yeah. for the rest of the symptoms. Uh, there's still so many unknowns in this field because of how long we've kind of had it mm-hmm. underground, right? Um, I think for the vast majority of people, I think ketamine is going to be more easily accessible because of Mindbloom. And we have a few similar companies at this point, not many, but Mindbloom's been in the space. So they started in 2018, Mm -hmm. started seeing people in person in 2019, went fully remote, surprise, surprise, 2020. Um, And so they did close down their New York location. We don't do anything in person anymore. And I think we're in... 35 states at this point is the last I heard. And we're not in more just because of the restrictions to telemedicine or to PAs and PEs to prescribe a schedule three substance like ketamine. That's, that's why we're not in more states. Okay. Uh, as laws change, we are always kind of staying on top of that to be hopefully able to open up mm-hmm. in other states. And then the other problem we have is in some of these smaller population states, it can sometimes be hard to find clinicians licensed there that meet the requirements Mm -hmm. that can fill those roles. So if you're a clinician, please apply. (laughs) Delaware or Connecticut. Actually, Delaware actually ended up being a tough one for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DC is another tough one for us. Um, uh, It's kind of interesting, but also large states with small populations Mm. can also be tough to fill sometimes. So it it just kind of depends. Um, but it's still in those states, right? It's not that we we aren't in those states, but there is still mostly like maybe in-person ketamine for them. Okay. We're also working on provider partnerships where if it requires them to be seen in person mm-hmm. first, partnering with someone in that state to be able to mm-hmm. go see them and then be yeah. able to prescribe Mindbloom as like a treatment for them. Okay. Um, but with it being FDA approved, you know, it's in all 50 states yeah. and mm-hmm. it's in our our territories. So, so can anyone, so if it's not, if mind bloom's not available to them mm-hmm. via shipping, like you said, there's 15 specific States. Can they still go to a local ketamine clinic? Or is and that in all 50 States? As far as I know, okay. yes. The problem okay. is like, think about Wyoming, yeah. right? We, R- rural Wyoming, right? Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of cities. Yeah. There's, like there's also just not a lot of mental health practitioners. Yeah. And so there's probably not a lot of people setting up this type of thing because people would have to travel hours to get this treatment. I've actually, I have a couple of my Wyoming patients, clients who they were traveling to Montana. They would drive six hours one way to get an IV ketamine session before they found out we were in in Wyoming. Then they have to wait a day and a half to drive back. (laughs) Well, someone has to drive them, right? So then that's taking their their partner, spouse, friend out of- That's two whole days. Yeah. Once a week for five, six weeks. Well, so IV and IM ketamine typically does like a loading style. So they actually will do six sessions in two to three weeks typically. Oh man, so you have to stay there or go back and forth yeah. the other day. And wow. you're missing- I think I would rather do that. <laughs> just get it all done. Get it all done. Yeah. <laughs> just, just keep me plugged in for a week. I'm just going to hang out. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but then you're thinking like Sorry. lodging costs, right? Yeah. You're thinking fuel. fuel. Yeah. If your spouse works, then-, then Time off work. Or you got to find sitters if, yeah. if they're stay-at-home spouse. Yeah. Like all it's these extra costs. Huge and it's inconvenience. Also way more expensive. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. challenge. You have, you're paying not just for the procedure. You're paying for- the place. Yeah, the clinic. Yeah. And all of the costs that go along with it. Yeah. So I've heard anywhere from $400 
per session to $1,500 per wow, session. Wow. That's that insanely insane. expensive. Yes. And Mind Bloom, a and little you just over said $1,200 for six On the last episode, the that this is extremely cheap. It is extremely cheap. Yeah. Yes. So that's another thing is, is the justification on this is savings people's lives. But, Why the yeah. heck? The facility costs. It, mm. It's Think about all of yeah. the rent. Yeah. Right. Why aren't you guys in a, a facility doing this? And they're this? they're yeah. staying there inpatient for three yeah. weeks. Right. Uh, no. So it's it's all outpatient okay. typically. Yeah. But still, you're lost time from work. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. they're not doing after hours. They're not doing weekends typically. So it's a nine to five clinic. You're having someone else need to bring you, or you're paying costs to pay for a cab or an Uber Lyft home. Oh, yeah. Right. You yeah. might have to have a sitter for your kids. Like there's lots of other additional costs that play into this because of the rigid scheduling and this in-person requirement. And if you are someplace rural, then you're factoring in gas, you're factoring extra time off from work, all of these other things. So yeah. one of the things that like Dylan, our CEO, wanted to do was make ketamine more accessible. To people, sure, because he he like truly believes in what this does, um, and he has right like you can do it after work if you want or after the kids go to bed. I, that's a common one mm-hmm. is like they still might do it on a weekend, but like little kids in the house, not a lot of sitter opportunities. We'll just do it after eight. I think yeah. that's a really important note to tell our audience base. There is yeah. that this is so safe. Yep, that you could do it with your children upstairs sleep. Oh, one one hundred percent. And I think that's huge. That yeah. is a huge, huge salient characteristic of yeah. this. Yeah. I think that's a yeah, big relief for a lot of people because when they they hear us talk about you know psychedelics, yes. like traditional psychedelics, yeah. like psilocybin, they're like, dude, I have kids. Like I. I can't get away from the kids and I can't do that around them. Yeah. Like I understand yeah. it makes sense. Like, and those experiences are hours yeah, typically. Eight, eight, yeah. Eight, 10 hours. Yeah. yeah. And this is an hour. <clears throat> yeah. So the commitment to this is, and, that, yeah. and that, that's the reason why I asked that question too, is like, this may be a good stepping yeah. stone, it, but I, I get it. There's, there's different diagnoses to it, but it's, it's, Still being figured out, I think. I think for some people, this will be the medication that works for them. Mm. And they might not need anything else. Mm. Which would be great. Right. Right. For me, like, I don't have trauma symptoms anymore. I haven't had a trauma flare since 2021. Have you noticed any other, like, physical changes, you know, as far as... um, You know, sometimes you get that out of, like, the Ibogaine experience. You know, you're just a little bit... I mean, I feel like I could stretch better after it, you know? Yeah, the, the first time, yeah, I did my 5-MEO experience, the day after, I felt physically taller. I, like, my body was loose. I could touch my toes without trying. Yeah. Like, Do you think that's the improvement <clears throat> in your anxiety stress levels? I think absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's got to be stress. You yeah. know, it's got to yeah. be a reduction in stress. Because where when we're stressed, we tend tense. to mm-hmm. tense up. It's a really common symptom of, Mental it just makes you a little bit more loosey goosey. Tension yeah. Yeah. or grinding or yeah. headaches, oh, right? Yeah. We're just constantly flexed. Which do you see that with ketamine too? Is that just melting of for a lot of people? Cortisol? Yeah, mm. yeah. Just, As our stress response goes down, yeah, the people are getting into more activity. So they're generally mm. physical health improves with a lot of people when I'm yeah. seeing them for their follow ups. 
maybe not the very first one, but down the road, like I'm like, hey, let's talk about physical health, new medications, right? It's been some months. How are we doing? How's that diabetes doing, right? And they're like, oh, I came off my blood pressure medication. I've been working out. I've lost 20 pounds, right? They're feeling better, motivated to be Mm -hmm. able to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's also easier to do these things that are are good for them. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times we see physical improvements as well. And most physical improvements can be from that mental state changing. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, chronic pain, right? Yeah. Chronic pain is so challenging and it's so closely related to our mental health. As mm-hmm. someone who deals with chronic pain every day, sure, there's some level of chronic pain that you both experience, right? When that pain flares, my anxiety goes up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. At least now I know the connection to it so I can actually work through my CBT skills yeah. and, and like, conceptualize it and manage it way better. But before, as the pain goes up, the anxiety goes up, as the anxiety goes up, the pain goes up, right? It's yeah. this like it's cycle, mm-hmm. which came first, chicken and egg, right? And our brain gets tricked into like this chronic process, this feedback loop that mm-hmm. we have to break out of. Mm-hmm. And ketamine It's interesting helps that, that it, uh, when you look at habits, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's a habit forming. Chronic pain could be habit forming. Yep. And that something can trigger that response. It, it's your stress goes up. Now your back starts to hurt. Yep. Like the, this like vicious cycle. It is. It's such a vicious cycle. And I, I have that conversation regularly with people, especially I work with a lot of vets, both my California license and my Wyoming vice, uh, license. It's one of the things that I, I love doing at, at Mindbloom. So the more the merrier, <laughs> first responders, firefighters, and almost all of us have some level of chronic pain, right? If you've been in the field for a bit, it's just our job. Yeah. We're yeah. physically, we ask be so much of our bodies while yeah. we are doing the work that we do. Yeah. I always joke, like I might almost be 40, but I feel like I'm almost 50, right? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. my body's just been beat 35 up. 35 going on 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My back's 50, but I'm 30. Yeah, my, <laughs> mentally, I'm probably about 20. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it's just, it's all of the things that we've asked our body to mm-hmm. do, right? And so it makes sense that it's telling us, hey, maybe you can't run that way anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, you might want to run faster, but maybe you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. I think we're stubborn as veterans, right? We were like, but my body's supposed to do this. So it's going to do this. I I run into the fact of I used to be able to do this. Yeah, I can can do that. I should do that. (laughs) And how does that work? I do it every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Seven minute mile, not good enough. No, gotta go faster. That's actually funny that you mentioned that. That's like one of my, you know, the goals in Rangers is like, is to run less than an eight minute mile. So for me, that's the standard. If you do anything exceeds that, then you suck. And like, (laughs) so I still live by that. (laughs) I see. Yeah. Very ingrained. It is very ingrained. But they did a good job. I got uh, <laughs> six fifty-seven on my mile, so I can't complain. <laughs> Between the broken finger, the bruised ribs, I like tried to jog on the treadmill this morning, and my finger went wah wah. Yeah. Oh, it and starts like, to throb. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We're just gonna go in a nice gingerly eleven minutes yeah. today. It's oh yeah. Fine. See, I just, I, yeah. I'm short too. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Got a little little T Rex corgi legs. I just kind of go you like this. Both, don't worry. <laughs> corgi legs. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what we joke about in my house. I have little corgi legs and little T Rex arms, and with my last name being Tersovich. Tersorex. Tersorex. Yeah, my, uh, my husband came up with that one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that was, I was actually quite impressed. Get a decade plus in yeah. the army Never did not come one. up yeah. with that. It's great. Like, right? Tersorex. Um, yeah. 
yeah. So going back to that pain, mental health connection, for me, that was a game changer. Mm-hmm. My pain level, I'm always going to have pain, right? Yeah. That's just yeah. a part of my life now, but it's how I'm responding to that pain. Sure. I'm not spiraling the same way. And I see that with a lot of people with ketamine too. You know, we're not treating their pain, we're treating their mental health. But as the mental health improves, that stress response goes down, the pain tends to follow suit. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're not needing as many meds. Maybe they're able to get into yoga like they wanted to and get that flexibility back, which helps. And that that is a huge thing too, as we talk about environment. And sometimes you you mentioned that you can't change your environment entirely, but there is things that you can incorporate into your environment that will help Mm -hmm. with that mindfulness and that readiness. It is, yeah. Yoga is a great example. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those chronic pains and issues that you have, I mean, 80% of the time, it could be alleviated by stretching every day. Yep. And, I, you know, I, I ran into the same thing. I had chronic back injuries. I, I was, I broke my back in service yeah. and like struggled with that for many years. And over the last, like after my experience in Mexico, right. my, yeah. my self-care started to change. Improved. And one of which I integrated was stretching. Uh, I don't do it every day, but I try my best. And now I don't have back pain like I used to. Yeah. So it, that helps with that mental health. Such a little change. And now we're changing our, our mental Mm-hmm. like wiring as well yep. when we're just physically feeling better. Yeah. In doing that stretching, whether it's it's true yoga or not, I don't think is as important. I think yoga does have that mindfulness component to it, which mm-hmm. is really important. But I know like yoga is kind of a taboo term in some veteran circles. Stretching. Yeah. We'll yeah. just call it stretching. Stretching <laughs> while breathing. Yeah. Yeah. But the it really does change so much, right? So Mm -hmm. my husband and I have had a series of unfortunate events this year. He had a a car accident right as we were buying our house earlier in the year, broke uh, his tibia due to the force of the accident. So he was out for a while. I then bruised my rib cage walking. I'm very graceful. (laughs) Nice. Coming out of that, then I was traveling for different conferences. And while I was at the conference in Denver, he filleted his hand open. Oh, no. With a very, very sharp knife and needed upwards of 25 stitches. The plastic Jesus surgeon Christ. said. What was, he, what was he cutting open? Is he whittling? He wasn't. <laughs> he just kept going once he hit his so, hand. So, <laughs> so you two will appreciate this. We, we have a variety of weaponry at the house, including he has a really nice rifle. And he likes yeah. to do contact drills still. He was infantry in the Marines. Sure. And he's gotten some accoutrements for his vest recently. And he was moving them around, trying to get them set up so he could go to the range. Oh, no. <laughs> and he had been taking the knife, this brand new dagger, out of its sheath to move the sheath. But this one time, he did not. Oh, no. <laughs> And then the knife that had never cut anything just went through his palm. Oh, nice. Yes. So. Well, at least it's got a taste for blood now. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> we know it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he starts recovering from that. And before he can even start to like fully cut and do things, I slam my hand in a metal door in a metal door frame and crush my fingertips. So we actually started to wake up earlier, half an hour earlier every day in the intent of stretching. Okay. 
except neither of us have been in a place where we've been able to stretch very well. You know, it's, 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 well. This yeah. is, so we just spend time together instead. That's an interesting topic, though, is is uh, I just read this book called Atomic Habits. and mm-hmm. I've heard of it. I haven't read it yet. It's small changes that you make that make the biggest differences. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we set these goals of like, I'm going to wake up. So now I'm losing a half hour of sleep, something that I love to do. <laughs> so how is that the extreme... Motivation that I need to to, to stretch. So um, interesting philosophy in there was the two minute rule: mm-hmm. is just do it for two minutes and yeah. see what happens. So you know when you get up, start stretching for two minutes. You know, not, don't take away. <laughs> That's yeah. probably why you're not successful at that. That and the continued injuries. So yeah. we are still being active. It's just the level of of what we wanted to yeah. do is not quite there yet, right? So we're we're working into that. And now that <laughs> I am a month out, like. I was able, I'm able to jog slowly now, so I'm not getting the same pain. But if I had done this and the rib cage yeah. two years ago, I would not be okay right now. Mm. I would be angry. Mm. I would be snapping at him, snapping at my coworkers, not doing my job because now I'm distracted by the pain. I'm not sleeping as well, right? This I just kind of laughed about. Yeah. Mm. Now you have a better response. I'm like, yeah. people are like, what'd you do? And I'm like, well, I was an idiot. And I couldn't shut a door correctly. Like, that's what happened, right? And that's what I think ketamine and psychedelics do, right? They give us this ability to process and be more resilient. And yes, am I stretching the way I want right now? No, but I still, you might not stress. I stretch, right? So I also have a meditation practice. Mm. One of the reasons I like yoga just traditionally is there's so many styles and it's so modifiable. So no matter what you're dealing with, we can modify yeah, there's it. There's something mm-hmm. to do for you. Yeah, like yeah. I had a, a wrist surgery a couple of years ago. I was still able to do yoga. I just wasn't putting pressure on that wrist for, yeah. Yeah. you know, six months, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that integration of the experience that you guys have found to be so key and listening to the recommendations of the people helping you integrate are, are so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just going and doing the experience or staying in your home, like with ketamine and doing the experience. It's what you do afterwards. Yeah. And I tell people dedicate five minutes. So I didn't know the two minute rule, but I say at least five minutes of your life every day while you're doing ketamine to something that makes you happy mm. will help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Journaling, working out, yeah. talking to someone you love, therapy, painting, drawing, trying a new hobby that you've always wanted to do. It doesn't matter. Engage that brain in a positive way to start rewiring it in a positive way so we can get rid of those ingrained negative patterns and behaviors Mm -hmm. that we have. And six sessions might not be enough, right? Like it's okay to not be okay after six. We've usually been dealing with decades (laughs) of mental health stuff. And if you've been in the military, if you've been in like working with police, first responder in these like high charging fields, Mm. it might not be decades, but it's a lot of crap poured into a very short period of time where you're on all of the time, like we talked about. So it's okay to not be okay yet. It's okay to need more support. It's okay to need more ketamine sessions. It's okay to consider other psychedelic options, right? That's okay. And that's a a regular conversation I have with myself, but it's also a regular conversation I have with my clients. Mm -hmm. Like some people are like, well, I did six sessions. Why am I still lightly depressed? And I'm like, are you as depressed as when you started though? Yeah. It's not a, it's not a magic fix it pill. It is a, this will help you make changes more easily pill. Exactly. This This is is a tool. Yeah. This is going to help with your long-term integration. The thing that 
I think a lot of people have a misconception with with psychedelics is that that's going to fix me. Like, mm-hmm. That's not. That's yeah. not. This is the, the magic pill. It's not. Yeah, and that's not the case. It's not something that's going to fix you. It's going to allow you to begin to fix yourself. And that's managing expectations as well. If yeah. you have those expectations going in, you're like you said, you're going to be disappointed every time. Yep. And it, that is something that we try really hard to get across to people yeah. in the messaging, as well as when they're talking to clinicians, when they're talking to their their guides, is mm. this isn't all of a sudden going to be, you're going to wake up and feel normal, yeah. right? Whatever yeah. normal is. It's that this is a tool that we're going to use to build more tools, to yeah. build that mm-hmm. resiliency so that when you are approached with a new sub like topic thing that's stressing you out, because we're humans, we're going to be stressed, we're going to get sad, yeah. like that doesn't go away, you're knowing how to handle it better. Mm. And, and at the very least, this could buy you one single second and one single second to really assess what's mm-hmm. happening in your life could make the biggest difference in the world. Yep. It's the difference between killing somebody and not killing somebody. Yep. You know, that's, killing yourself that's, or not killing yeah, yourself. That split second, and you've said this, that you've done these therapies, and to take that moment and say, I'm not going to get mad at this. this I'm an silly. idiot for this door, right? This is silly. And, or I'm going to take this as constructive criticism so that I can improve myself, not get mad and yep. snap at them. There's this book I'm reading right now called The Art of Taking It Easy. (laughs) And the author is a comedian as well. uh, And he uses this analogy, are you being attacked by a bear? And so for a long time, we were being attacked by bears on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, right? But now we're not. Yeah. Yeah. How do we turn that off? Why do we still respond this way? And so I really like his analogy and using that uh, versus like you're sitting in traffic. Why are you responding like you're being attacked by a bear? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an incorrect response. It is. Yeah, and I, I always say it's like no one's shooting at you. Like with our team, you know, yeah. if there's something going on, it's like, okay, guys, let's take a break. No one's shooting at you. Yep. And it that just little analogy could make all the difference in the world. You pause. Yeah. Yeah. You're like... Oh, it's not a big deal. Bears yeah. eat beets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> but it's true. Sydney like traffic. Yeah, when, exactly. when you're sending, like, that person cut me off. Like, okay. okay, but I didn't get into an accident. Yeah. I'm still going to get to my final destination, maybe mm-hmm. a second later. Yeah, we're yeah. all going nowhere. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. all right, like, let them be yeah. angry. I had a, a client recently who told me he'd lost a friend since I'd last seen him during a road rage incident. His friend mm. got shot in the head. Oh, Jesus. And it's like, it goes back to it, what triggered that escalation? Someone yeah. didn't pause and yeah. think, right? Yeah. Somebody had an incorrect response to the, what was, you know, the event. The that actual was thing that yeah. was happening. Yeah, and yeah there's some some brutal, road, road rage is like the biggest thing yeah. that I dealt with like I thought I had recovered from a lot of And then you moved to San Antonio. <laughs> and then the worst drivers in the world is in San, <laughs> San Antonio in the world. I've been in better places in Afghanistan that drive better than these, these people here. I don't disagree yeah, either. It's it, it's like they do it on purpose though. They're like, oh eight lanes. <laughs> Yesterday we're, we're driving here this morning. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, it's terrible traffic. I know. But 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 crazy. being able to take that um take your perspective and shift that mm-hmm. yeah. could totally change the way you drive. And that's something that I try to do every time I get angry. I'm like, okay, this person that is driving this way is probably having the worst day of their life. Yep. And I have to just let them get to A to B. Yep. You know? Yep. Putting yourself at least a little bit in that other person's shoes. Yeah. Benefit of yeah. the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it could be, you know, I mean, it, it could be something 
bad happening in their life and they're lashing out and they don't have that perspective. So having that heightened responses, it, it changes your day. You it can, does. How many times have you been like wrecked from just someone cutting you off and you're just like hours? You're just like, ah. Yeah, it's true. And it's not fun because yeah. then it ruins the whole rest of your yeah. day and it ruins the day of everyone and around you. And why? Is it that important? Did you did you did you lose 20 seconds on your trip? Did Maybe. you lose a minute? Maybe not even that much. Maybe not even that. Yeah. I actually had a, a surprisingly California client who did have a lot of issues with his anxiety around driving and mm. around the traffic of getting to work and was having panic attacks. He actually couldn't drive on the highway anymore. It had gotten so bad. Uh, I actually saw him last week and he's going to be finishing his last set of treatments after a year we've been working together. Nice. He is like, I can't even imagine the person I was when I started working with you a year ago. Mm. Like work is still work. That's another big stressor for him, but like he's able to get out. He's not having Mm. panic attacks, thinking Mm. about driving onto a highway. Like that's huge. Like how much of our society is based on driving on highway? I wouldn't have, would we have been able to get here without highways yeah, no from way. where you picked me up? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> it would have taken yeah. a lot longer. Horseback. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so like how isolating yeah. was that for him and worsening of his symptoms, right? And so over the course of a year, and I want to say he did, he's going to be at uh, 24 total sessions of ketamine. I want to oh, say wow. he's just starting his wow. 19th. He is, and he's going to be spacing them like once a month apart. So we do work on spacing further out if you're using it for a longer term, if you're able to. Sure. Um, he's like, I don't think I, I'm going to come back after this one. I think I'm in a good spot. And I'm like, that's great. Nice. I mean, if you need me, I'm here, but I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're doing all the stuff that you need to do for yourself. And he, he did. He instituted mindfulness. Mm. He worked with a therapist who also helped him with like CBT skills. Um, he adjusted his working life a little bit. So he wasn't in the peak of California traffic, right? Yeah. Leaving a little earlier, leaving a little later, which makes a huge difference too. Like he, he made the changes to make this work for him. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like somebody who's like really managing their, their care, really taking their care seriously. Yeah. That's unfortunately what we don't see often enough is people taking control of their own care like that. Yeah. With being willing to make adjustments in their life, and see that it is going to be a one, two, three year process yeah. to really ultimately recover from that stuff. Those are also the same types of people that, di- you know, have those problems, like you yeah. said, of uh, this doesn't work for me or this is not the yeah. magic pill. Yeah, I tried it once. It didn't work for me. Like, yeah, I tried you, tr- you tried it once. Yeah. You, you just I didn't like the therapist, yeah. Yeah. which fair. I get that. That is fair. That is like, ther- therapy is like dating. You it know? is. You have Finding to find the, the right one. therapist Very is like so. dating. Yeah. And well, before, you know, I mean, I've done therapy since I was a kid and I've fired numerous therapists before. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yep. I was seeing a therapist in Afghanistan the whole time they said I had a panic disorder telling the therapist about what happened to me. Never crossed their mind that I had PTSD. Not a once, right? Yeah, craziness, craziness. <laughs> so definitely tell people, I'm like, just because you had one bad experience doesn't mean they're all like this. Yeah, yeah. but you can find a better one. You can find a better one. It can take time though. And right yeah. now, therapists are hard to get. Yeah, everyone's it, It's It's a been therapist. a tough few years and there's just, and they're burnt out too. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Therapists are burnt out because of the last few years as well. Yeah. So they need therapy too. Yeah. yeah, right. It's a never ending cycle. It is a never ending cycle. In that direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, we... I work with a couple therapists directly, like referring people to like back and forth. Now I've, I've 
worked with them for the last three years at this point. So yeah. it's been really great to kind of build those relationships and they feel comfortable now referring people regularly to ketamine. They're like, I think this person's a good fit. You know, obviously let me know if they're not. Um, and every single time they're a good fit. Like, honestly, I'm like, you so smart. You've got this. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, but it's, it's exciting to be able to have that pairing as well. Like mm. I, the guides we work with are phenomenal too. So we work in a team. And so sometimes we can get a guide, a therapist mm. and me all on the same page to support this client and make sure they're, they're getting the best care that they can. And these are the ones that are coming like ready to make changes. Right. Yeah. Cause there are people that still come to this that are rigidly like, this is going to work. It's yeah. got to work. I don't have time to do these other things or I don't want to do this or I've tried this in the past and it can still work, but maybe it's not going to last as long. Open-mindedness plays a huge part it in does. all of these therapies. It does. And so, you know, sometimes it's a conversation like, is right now the right time mm-hmm. for this? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'll support you if this is what you want to do, but is this the right time? Yeah. yeah. There could be benefits to waiting, especially like we talked about earlier, when your environment is poor. Like if you're in a bad home environment right now, you should not do this and then return home. Wait a little bit until your home environment changes or you find somewhere else to do it. Yeah. There's, do there's you not, benefits. So one of the, it doesn't happen as frequently, but having that that monitor, yeah. the trip center, mm-hmm. right? During the pandemic, particularly, that was a challenging one for some people who were very, very isolated. Sure. Either they'd moved or, you know, they weren't close with their family already. They didn't feel comfortable talking to their family. So we still see it sometimes, but mm. that's a big part of it. Like I've had yeah. people choose to not do a session without with a monitor there, right? And then they had a horrific session and they're talking to me about their horrific session. And I was like, well, where was your monitor in this? Well, I didn't have them. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Like, they're actually a big part of your experience, yeah. right? They're yeah. there and you know they're there that whatever comes up, yeah. they're going to support you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just having the person there, but having the right person there because mm. that plays a huge role too. If you're fighting with your partner a lot and maybe you're, you're not in the best place together, is that really the best person for you? Yeah. Even if they say they're going to do it, are they like, do you have that in your brain that they're supporting you or are they just doing this because they have to? And that's what's in the back of your brain, right? It doesn't matter what's actually happening. It's what's in your brain. Yeah. And that's, it's the truth too. I, I did the stellate ganglion block in, yeah. in 2019, but I had a bad home environment at the time. Yep. I was, I was living with somebody and we were in the middle of a breakup. It was really bad. Yeah. So I came back and I had two weeks of like, I felt way better and I felt up like no more symptoms. And because I was back in that shitty home environment, it just drug me right back down. Yep. And I wasted a flight across the US, you know, two days of, you know, it's a light surgery. It is, you know, yeah. That, that I went through and I, I should have set up my home environment to be better. Like I, I knew the result, like I should have separated myself from that and come home to an empty home instead. Right. And that would have helped prolong and, and benefit me in the long run. And I knew that to be true. But I still didn't do anything. So it, it's, I, it's a learning experience. It is. But at the end of the day, you, you're you're taking these steps to better yourself. Yep. And if you're not going to take all of the steps to better yourself, then you need to stop and consider or find somebody to, to assist you through that. that or at least be better in part. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or just try in part. Just yeah. yeah. Just a little bit better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gradual I, changes. And Absolutely. That's, that was probably part of your gradual change, right? Mm-hmm. So for some people coming and seeing me. Maybe it's not the best time for them. Yeah. Maybe they can't change or they're not ready to change True. things. But maybe ketamine gives them that that glimpse of something yeah. that helps them to start making the change. And I've actually had that a handful of times where I saw someone maybe in 2020, 2021, didn't see him again. It's like, all right, well, 
maybe they didn't see improvement or maybe they're doing great. I don't really know. Yeah. And then I'll see him again recently. I had someone who they ended up quitting their job that they'd had for 15 years to leave. Uh, they're a, a clinician and they're going to go open up their own practice. They realized mm-hmm. that working in a hospital system was creating a lot of their stuff. And at mm-hmm. the time they started ketamine, they couldn't fully see that. Mm-hmm. It took yeah. a little bit, like they kind of got a glimpse of it. Pierced the veil a little bit. Yeah. And then over the course of the year, it had planted that seed enough for them that they're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. Why am I doing this? Um, and so when I saw them, they had put in their date. They had like two months left um, and they were using ketamine, obviously some transitional anxiety coming up, still some a little like lingering depression from the burnout. Um, And they were going to use the ketamine to kind of work through that and also kind of figure out where they want to go with their Mm -hmm. practice. Do they really want to have their own practice or do they want to go into something totally different? You know, they're, they have this new opportunity. So, you know, it, for them, the environment wasn't ideal (laughs) and they didn't change it, but it was enough to kind of, put it there. And maybe for you after the block, you didn't go back into the right kind of situation, but you were able to recognize that and maybe really force those changes a little faster than maybe they would have happened otherwise. Absolutely. I try to, one of the things that ketamine and mind bloom has really helped me to do is try and see the why behind things, Mm -hmm. right? Like not be angry that my marriage ended or not be angry that I have this weird, rare medical condition, right? It's to be like, okay, these things happen. I had this shitty marriage to end up in the military. Mm-hmm. The military put me through PA school. Now I'm a PA and I'm helping people in a way that I never would have thought of, right? Yeah. And I met my now husband yeah. and have like a relationship. I ne- like we've had a fight and it was 100% my fault. I will fully admit it, <laughs> <laughs> my fault. But communication in a way that I have never experienced mm-hmm. in any relationship that I've had. And I didn't know that was possible, right? And so all of these things have happened. So I try to help people with their ketamine and with their lives in general be like, all right, let's think, why is this happening? It's shitty. It sucks. We don't want to go through it. But what can we we pull from this that's positive? Mm Because there's positive, like we joked about, I think it was the last episode, the pandemic. (laughs) Not a lot of great came out of it. But there was some silver linings, right? I found Mindbloom remote medicine is more accessible than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. And I can't see it going back too far, right? Ketamine, this came out of the pandemic because yeah. would we have ever gotten this far this fast? I don't, maybe it's possible, but 35 states treating over 25,000 people in three years. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I don't know if that's possible with, yeah. if we hadn't had this, this space to be able to do it. Yeah, I think in a way the pandemic was definitely a wake up call and it shook things up. Some people adapted, some people didn't. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I, and you know, now we're finding this new normal, right? Yeah. It's for a lot of people, like I will never work full time in a clinic ever again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not a life I want. I'm gonna be honest. Only reason I'm wearing pants is because I'm going on a plane later today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the only reason I get cold on a plane. I don't start work until 10 or 11, right? Because yeah. I see California and Wyoming. So mm-hmm. I have my mornings to go work out, to meditate, to see friends, um, whatever it might be, right? So yeah. I've adjusted my life and realized what the priorities in my life are mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. Would that have happened if I had just gone out of the military and gone into a job? 
maybe, but I think it would have taken a lot longer. That's yeah, awesome. and, and I think that that's a really good point that you make, but you've also proven yourself through the military and PA school Touché. and all of this stuff <laughs> where you have other people that have, and this is a totally different conversation, but I do want to say it, is the sense of entitlement that came out of, uh, of this um, is substantial. And people have a tendency to, as a barista, say, I want to work remote. <laughs> and I'm sorry. But that doesn't That's, work like that. Yeah. yeah. I think it goes back to like the personality types that are drawn to the military, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, you have to have discipline. Yeah. Discipline and a certain sense of selflessness, yeah. mm-hmm. like, right? Like I'm not joining the military. Well, I, I mean, I did join the military for my own personal reasons, like paying back school and stuff. But like the reality was, is I'm selling my life away to go support a bigger cause, which we don't, I I really like countries that institute some sort of service. It doesn't have to be military, but like Uh, volunteerism or something for a year or two. I think that's really important. We we are so far away from that and getting out of your own, like your own little bubble too, not just in volunteering in, you know, your small town, but going across the U S meeting new people because we're so isolated. Give yourself some exposure. Yep. And that's something the military does. Yeah. Right. Um, But my husband will also tell you, I do not like praise or anything either. Like, I'm just kind of like, no, it's just what happened. I go, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I think that's that part of a lot of us too, is a lot of us are more humble either because of our service or we were already like that when we went into the service. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I'm doing this because I want, to get the word out to vets and to other people like me mm-hmm. who might not realize what's available to them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's not like, yes, I'm, I'm healing as well as I go through this. Yes. I'm helping my company as well as I go through this. But the reality is, is I want to help every person that I can. Mm-hmm. That is my goal in life. So what would you say to the audience for those that are considering ketamine therapy? Okay. Yes. Just in general, that's what I would say. That's it. Is, is someone, okay. yeah, um, is the audience here are, are probably going to be considering this? Yeah. So I would say, one, do your research, right? It might not be for you. It might not be for you right now, but at mm. least do the research. Uh, Mindbloom has done a really good job of compiling a lot of, of literature that you can look there. We've yeah. written a lot of articles. You'll see my smiling face <laughs> on a lot of them because I medically review them as well, uh, most of them. Um, ask questions. If you're not sure, we have a support team that can answer them. And if they don't know the answer, they reach out to clinicians like me to answer them. Don't think that your medical issues are going to stop you. There are certain things that might prevent you from doing remote treatment, but most things we can work with. Um, the big ones would be certain cardiac issues just because it does stimulate the heart. So like I've had a few people with aneurysms that we couldn't okay. really do remotely. Sure, um, But a lot of times like, I've treated people with MS, with Parkinson's, right? People who have had prior heart attacks, we've just gotten medical clearance for them. So don't be so worried about the medical stuff. We can a lot of times figure that out. And if you don't look like a candidate for remote treatment, we can help you try and find an in-person treatment near you. Mm. Um, And it's okay to be scared. Yeah. It's okay. It is okay. I have done this before and I still get nervous before I go into a session. I think that is healthy and natural. So it is okay. Just ask the questions. A healthy respect. Yep. And uh, where can we find you? So mindbloom.com, M-I-N-D-B-L-O-O-M.com. There is also a Facebook community for Mindbloom for prospective clients and current clients. That is, they're amazing, honestly. Um, lots of great uh, sub-threads about set and setting, mm. different kinds of experiences there. Okay. They're also on 
um, Instagram. I cannot remember their handle right now, but if you search for Mindbloom, they're one of the quick ones to pop up. Um, and we also monitor Reddit. <laughs> so okay. if you tag us, then one of our, sometimes me might respond to you, but we also okay. kind of keep an eye on Reddit because there is a Mindbloom subreddit on awesome. Reddit. So we're all over the place. Well, thank That's you so good. much for coming out and sharing your story, uh, yeah, thanks, sharing guys. what you do and the work you do with our nation's heroes is quite outstanding. Thank and you. we can't wait to uh, join our session. Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I won't be able to be your clinician <laughs> since I'm not in Texas, but right. lots of awesome clinicians and also other veterans uh, on staff there, not just me. So perfect. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Can't wait to give it a shot. But yeah. uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, guys. Thank you uh, to Mindbloom as well. This has been the Metabag Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening today. Remember, hit that share button, interact with the video somehow, and head on over to uh, mindbloom.com. Give them a look. Thanks. See you next time. Bye.